Welcome to The Frontline with FPM, where we talk about California politics, homeschool freedom, parental rights, and the family. I'm your host, Nathan Pierce, and thanks for joining us today. Let's jump right in and see what's going on here on The Frontline. Hi, folks. We're going to look at a couple of pieces of legislation as well as talk a little bit about our Homeschool Freedom Day San Diego event that's coming up May 20th. So uh, let's jump into some legislation. And as we do so, I also want to go through some helpful information about the legislative process regarding deadlines. Uh, There's a lot of deadlines in the legislative cycle in California. And uh, understanding those deadlines and what they mean is really important to understanding the legislative process and what it means when you see a bill and what its current status is and what to do with that information. When you see a bill that's in a committee, it's important to understand what that committee's role is. Uh, So let's take a look at what the deadlines are, where to find them, and what do they mean. Uh, You can find information on legislative deadlines by going to the legislator's website. Uh, If you start today with going to the Senate website, the California State Senate, it's senate.ca.gov. And on their website, there's a lot of helpful information where you can get uh, information on who your state senator is, as well as uh, other publications by the California State Senate. You can also stream committee hearings live as well as gain access to pre-recorded committee hearings. Uh, But for purposes of right now, um, I'm going to go on the right-hand side of the California State Senate website to the calendar and click on the legislative calendar and deadlines, which gives me a page telling me what the deadlines are. And I can look on this calendar that shows me that there's some deadlines coming up in both in April and in May. We'll take a look at a couple of these. First of all, uh, I'm very grateful that the legislature in California has a break, a break, I should say. Uh, I call it the spring break, uh, or actually I call it the Easter break. The legislature calls it the spring break or spring recess, and they will be reconvening on April 10th. They've been out this current week, the week of uh, the first week of April, and they're going to come back on the 10th of April. I'm really thankful for Easter, and I'll just take a moment to to mention that uh, without Easter, the hope of the resurrected Christ, our Savior, we wouldn't have uh, the hope and the reason for pursuing the freedom to pass on truth to the next generation. And one of the main reasons that homeschooling is so important is because it is a place where private homeschooling gives us the freedom to pass on those those values, those um, important truths of the gospel and other truths to our children without fear of retribution from government authorities saying, no, you can't teach that. We have full freedom to teach uh, religious instruction as well as other things to our children. And so we can be grateful for those freedoms that we maintain here in California. So that's uh, my little 
uh, spiel about Easter and our great gratitude for both Easter happening, um, us being able to celebrate it, and us subsequently being able to have a week of break from the California legislature, even in the month of April. So uh, as we look at these deadlines, we know that uh, one of the deadlines listed is April 10th, which is when they come back from their recess. April 28th is the last day for policy committees to hear and report to fiscal committees fiscal bills. Well, what does all of that mean? First of all, it mentions policy committees. Policy committees are committees where they're deciding whether or not this is good policy in this particular bill. So bills have to go to policy committees before they can go to the uh, floor to be voted on by the whole uh, legislature. So a Senate bill is introduced in the Senate and it goes to Senate policy committees where they determine whether or not there's good policy. And if the bill costs a lot of money, it also has to go to a fiscal committee. And sometimes a bill has to go to multiple policy committees, but typically there's just one fiscal committee that decides whether or not the state has the money to pay for that bill. So after a bill has gone through one or more policy committees and the state decides that, yes, this is the policy we want, then it has to go to a fiscal committee to decide if we have the money to pay for it. Next, it goes to the floor of that house. So in this case, we're talking about a Senate bill. It has to go to a Senate policy committee, a Senate fiscal committee, and then the Senate floor where all of the members of the state Senate vote on that bill. So this deadline then is saying for those bills that have to go to a fiscal committee, they have a deadline of April 28th to get out of the policy committee and to the fiscal committee so that they can get voted on in time at, in those fiscal committees. So right now we're looking at uh, the month of April being already full, but the policy committees have to prioritize those bills that have that have so much cost involved in them that they have to go to a fiscal committee. So that means we're likely to see bills heard first in policy committees that cost enough money to get sent to the fiscal committees before going on to the floor in the Senate. So uh, through the month of April with the committee hearings that are happening, the priority goes to those bills that cost money. So the bills that are going to be in policy committees, they're not discussing necessarily the fiscal aspects of the bills in these policy committees. They're discussing the policy aspects of these bills in the policy committee. So if a bill goes to the education committee, they're going to be talking about the education aspects of that bill. If a bill goes to the health committee, they're going to be talking about the health aspects of that bill. If, you're, if your bill is going to the public safety committee, then it's going to the, the committee's questions and answers and discussions are going to be focused on those issues around the, the, the focus of that committee itself. So usually a bill only gets referred to one committee and supposedly a, a bill is going to get referred to multiple committees if it has issues that need to be dealt with or that would be appropriate to be dealt with in those committees. That happens less than it used to. And I think the reason for that is because people try to push bills through as quickly as they can and the supermajority is able to do that and nobody is really holding them accountable to make sure that they follow 
legitimate protocols of having each individual committee that has a stake in a bill to actually do their job and hear legislation um, that pertains to the questions that that committee is supposed to answer. So unfortunately, you're seeing more and more of the uh, legislature in California cranking out legislation and pushing through bills without answering legitimate questions about the bills. So one of our jobs here is to try to ask questions about bills that are really important questions to have answered before a bill gets passed. And as many legislators as we can influence to get them to be asking these questions as well. And that's something that you can do if you build a relationship with your own legislator. Because as as Matthew, uh, Matthew uh, talks about being wise as serpents in uh, the New Testament, we need to do that. We need to be wise as serpents and be understanding what potential issues a bill has so that we can ask the good questions so that we can ask our legislators these good questions so that then they can in turn ask these questions before the bill gets voted on and becomes law. Because after a bill gets voted on and becomes law, it should still be challenged, don't get me wrong, but it's already gone past the the voting process through the legislature and it's all become, already become law. And we need to be asking these good questions before it becomes law. In fact, we need to be asking these questions as early as possible in the legislative process, and even, I would argue, before that, before somebody even gets elected to office, we should be asking them questions as they're running for office before they even get elected so that we can know who it is we're electing and what kind of decisions they're going to be making when they do get elected. So backing up from all of that, we need to make sure that we are asking questions about issues that God cares about that we ought to be caring about, particularly when it comes to caring for our own families. So looking at specific legislation, we have a bill, AB 262, that we're monitoring and that we are working with the author's office on in terms of uh, trying to clear up some important questions as to how could this bill negatively impact homeschool families if they want to have co-ops, if they want to have park days, if they want to have these various events with little or no impact from the government saying, hey, you need to file all this paperwork if you're going to have a park day. Hey, you need to file all this paperwork if you want to have a co-op class. Hey, if you want to have a week-long sewing camp you need to file all this paperwork. And, and, and this, is, this is becoming incredibly intrusive. And so we want to ask these questions so that we can get some amendment language in that can help uh, guide this bill to be less impactful on the things that are, it doesn't need to impact and allow the legislator, if there is a good purpose for a bill, help him to focus the bill on that good purpose and not have it impact things that are not part of that purpose. This actually happens quite a bit here in Sacramento where a bill gets drafted and is so broad that it impacts a wide range of areas that were never intended. And um, we need to make sure that we are asking those good questions that help them narrow the bill down so it only affects the areas that are specifically a problem, if indeed it's even needed. 
which many cases it's not, but we need to be very careful in how we ask those questions and how we provide uh, alternative wording or suggestions that would be steering the bill in a direction that's more narrow in its focus and specifically addresses what needs to be addressed with the bill as opposed to things that are outside the range of what the intent is. So um, pray for us on this bill, AB 262, that we'd be able to have uh, clear communications with that legislator's office. Um, and if we do need your help, if we do need a bunch of phone calls on this, um, we'll definitely be sending out an action alert as needed. Uh, fortunately, as you've heard over the last few weeks, that we've had a lot of success this year already in gaining uh, favor in legislators' offices and getting amendment language adopted into bills, and I'm tremendously grateful for that. Uh, we've had uh, success with uh, SB 767 with our mandatory kindergarten bill, getting all students that go into private school, including privately homeschooled students, exemption from mandatory kindergarten. We're really grateful for that. Uh, that's been a tremendous amount of work over the last few years, but we have that wording in this bill. So if it does get passed, uh, as you may remember last year, this bill, a similar bill, uh, was passed through the legislature and actually went to the governor's desk, but he vetoed it. Um, I don't know if that will happen again, but these proposals on mandatory kindergarten keep coming back over and over again. And um, we've de dealt with uh, well over 20 of them uh, in the last uh, 30 years or so. They'll keep coming back. So we are grateful that our wording made it into, into this bill. Um, we are still also working on some amendment language for uh, AB 659. Uh, AB 659 is that HPV vaccine mandate bill that um, has wording in it relating to uh, K through 12 education as well as colleges. And I think that this bill is a wrong direction period for health freedom in general, uh, for the ability of people to make their own decisions in life. But we specifically want to work towards protecting private homeschoolers and private schools in general from the impact that this bill could have on their uh, education. Uh, basically, at this point in time, there's paperwork involved as well as pressure to to enact, to get people to do uh, this particular vaccine, but um, there's also additional paperwork. So we're working on that as well to try to mitigate those impacts on the private homeschool community. Um, because there still is there still is an impact without even though it doesn't necessarily have the mandate with it it does have pressure and it does have a a a level of of paperwork that's required so we want to try to resolve that aspect of of this bill to have it make less of an impact on on privately homeschooling families uh, so so that's a, a few bills. I want to, to help you understand, too, that we have an event coming up in San Diego. This is our Homeschool Freedom Day San Diego event. Uh, we have done Homeschool Freedom Days before. Homeschool Freedom Day is a training conference. It's an advocacy training conference. It is not Capitol Day, where we go to the Capitol and visit legislators' offices. It is a training day where we focus on building relationships with legislators and we focus on the, the 
district level relationships. Not so much focusing on the capital, which is what we do at Capital Day, but we're focusing here on district office visits and relationships that you can build from your home through our, our home our advocacy from home program, but also just step-by-step -step basics on how you can have an impact in politics and in our legislature from your local area. And there's a lot of ways you can do this, but our goal here with this event, Homeschool Freedom Day San Diego, is to pr help people understand the importance of advocacy. Why do we even need to get involved? What's the point and does it make a difference? Second, we're going to be talking about how you can do these things. And um, we also want people to come away with knowing exactly some steps that they can take, as well as uh, the encouragement to, to be motivated to do these things and to help not just individuals, but families to, to take these actions, how you and your homeschool group can participate in advocacy and how much of a difference that can make. We're going to have a great set of speakers. Um, I'm really excited that our, our um, lineup of speakers is, is growing even now. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, Drew Olander can come to speak. Um, he's going to be talking a little bit about uh, some of the practical aspects of, of visits and advocacy. But also we have our Advocate of the Year uh, coming to speak to us, Jennifer Avila, as well as um, some others. We're looking forward to having Jeremiah Lorig come back as well, talking about advocacy and the the value of getting involved at the district level. And that if you are representing some, uh, you're visiting somebody that represents you particularly. Um, it's real. There's a high value there that um, is really important. So I would encourage you to if. If you can get to Homeschool Freedom Day to, to make that effort, to, to make that happen. If you can't make it to Homeschool Freedom Day, I would encourage you to do one of two things. You can uh, help us make this event happen by donating to make this event happen. It does cost us a bit of money to make these events happen, and we don't make money off of it. It's an investment that we put money into to train the homeschool community because our mission is to protect homeschool freedom. And one investment that we do is to invest in training homeschool families to partner with us in our advocacy. And so we, this is not a money-making event for us. We invest money into this event and uh, we train homeschool families to participate with us in advocacy. So please come. It's a huge value to us that you get trained to join us in advocacy. And that's why we make the investment in this event to help train you and others to participate in advocacy because it costs us something to make this event happen. But we do it because there is so much value in training local people to do local advocacy. So it's that important to us. Uh, we really want you to be there. Uh, if you can't be there, contribute towards making it happen. If uh, you can't be there also, I would encourage you to see if there's some way that you can either get the word out to those in your area to encourage them to go to the event. And maybe, maybe you're in a place where you could maybe watch somebody's kids so that they can go. And um, this is something that's uh, a struggle for many, 
maybe if you're stuck at home, maybe if you're taking care of your own little kids because you don't think it would make sense for you to go to this event, maybe watch someone else's kids so that they can go. Or maybe ask somebody else to watch your kids so that, so that you can go. And I would encourage you to, to make that effort to do some investing in your homeschool freedom and in the future of California so that we can together partner in our freedom and advance this freedom for the next generation. So I would ask that you would consider these things prayerfully and also be praying for us as we work on legislation. Continue to pray for us as we plan for advocacy from home uh, engagements, both both those involved in, in Homeschool Freedom Day San Diego, as well as those around the state. We're trying to get as many legislators visited by homeschool families in their district office as possible. And if you have not done this, please call us today and make sure that you can participate in advocacy from home and get a homeschool information packet delivered to your legislator's district office. It's something that we can't do in every district in the state of California, but you can help us to meet that goal of having every legislator visit it in their district office and have a homeschool information packet delivered to them at their district office in every district in the in the state of California. There's 120 districts. It shouldn't be that hard for us with as many homeschool families as we have in the state of California to get all those legislators' offices visited. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your engagement in protecting homeschool freedom. And thank you for your prayers. We appreciate that. Please keep on praying and make sure that at whatever level you can, get involved in Homeschool Freedom Day San Diego, whether you come, whether you contribute to the cause, or whether you help somebody else to get there. Make sure you're engaged in homeschool advocacy. Thanks so much. Yeah, because salvation is just the beginning, right? When we come to the Lord and we're trusting in him through Jesus, then it begins a lifelong process of sanctification where we're growing in the Lord and growing in our knowledge of him. And that happens through us reading God's word and saying, Lord, I, I'm, I'm understanding now what you want for me. So help me to live this out. And the spirit of God's at work as the word of God takes root in our heart and we obey the Lord. And so this is a process of spiritual maturity that goes on throughout our life. And that's what first Timothy two, four means when it says, it says we're to pray for them. It says, this is pleasing to God, our savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, what's the truth? The truth is the word of God and people don't naturally just know all the things that God would want them to know. So we, we want to help them to get involved with a good church. I'm always trying to connect them with the church in their community. And then because in our state, they're in Sacramento four days a week, they all fly in or drive in on Monday morning. And they're there until at least Thursday afternoon, if not longer, uh, for most of the year. So they're away from home. So Sacramento is kind of a home away from home. And so that's why I go in as a missionary. And then I invite them to Bible studies each week where we open up the Bible. And I'm just very conscious that I'm just helping him to know 
the truth of God. Here's what God says, and this is why we go page by page, book by book, and help them to be discipled, really, to learn how to follow the Lord and have spiritual maturity. And that's wonderful to watch that happen. It's a slow process. Growth takes time, just like it would for a plant, right? But it, but it's, it's slow, but it's ultimately it bears fruit if they're really with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we watch and say, wow, look at their, their heart has changed. Their attitudes are changing. And now their decisions are changing. Thank you so much for your time, Frank. Thank you, Nathan. My pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Frontline with FPM. For more information about the topics we discuss here, check out Family Protection Ministries at fpmca.org and subscribe to our channel.